There are bands called Worst Case Scenario on Spotify and stuff. Huh. I listened really? to one. Yeah, and it was kind of like electronic stuff, but I kind of, I think there's a few. I, I feel duty bound to like them because, you know, solidarity. That's it. But they're just as bad as us. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's not a very ambitious name, is it? <laughs> no. Yeah. I suppose the original name was taken anyway, so. <laughs> yeah. There you go. But I tell you, actually, I'll tell you a story. When myself and Dave were trying to come up with a game for WordSnap back in the day, it was called Steam Words because it was very steampunky. And don't look it up, but I think steamwords.com was gay erotic fiction. Like a, pub, a publisher <laughs> yeah. for gay erotic fiction. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we couldn't use that. <laughs> you guys never warned me that Spotify Mac app doesn't have airplay. <clears throat> um, have airplay. Why didn't you warn me? Uh, just use your phone. What 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 you on about? Like stupid yeah. Mac app. No excuse so, for that. It's like it's like ten lines of code. Just stick a big old air, airplay button up at the top. And how do you do that in HTML and JavaScript? <laughs> no JS, Thomas. <laughs> Inside an electron shell wrapper. Enlighten I, me to show me your 10 lines of code. I love, um, so I, I, I was searching to see, like, was I doing something wrong? Um, and Spotify, like a lot of these tech companies now, they have like a community site, which is basically, um, no, we won't give you tech support, fight amongst yourselves. Um, but the Spotify one has a, um, kind of a a suggested features list like it's part of their form that you can kind of uh identify bugs or uh suggest new features and it's just awful it's just like pages and pages of people wait a sec what what are you what are you sent me i don't know i searched I don't know if it works, uh, but I just Googled AirPlay yeah, Spotify. This is where I was just about to say that, you know, you can just AirPlay audio from your Mac full stop to the Apple yeah. TV. Yeah. Like. But not my Airport Express. Not your Airport Express. Which is what Express. I want. Okay. Because it's only display mirroring. Oh. Alt click on the sound thingy in the menu bar. Okay. <laughs> Output device. Is your airport express there? No, it's like no, because I, I, I took it out of my menu bar. Okay, I'll click. Oh, it's there. What? Oh wait, now you're. It's there. It's it's not. Yeah. What? My airport express is there. No, oh, there you go. Problem solved. There you go. <laughs> Except I actually clicked it, and now at some point you guys are going to start coming out. In the kitchen, in the stereo, in the kitchen, and scaring Sheila. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Sheila. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got it back. I think, yeah, cool. Okay, so I'm sorted then. There Dave fixed it you, for you me. You gonna apologize to Spotify? Yeah, yeah I'm very sorry, Spotify. <laughs> I, and I apologize to you guys as well for giving out suggested features. Don't listen to me. You can send them that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Baz, welcome home. Yeah, thanks. Jet lagged. 
Really? Just how's, like... how's, how's the ignore, inauguration? <laughs> <laughs> so, not much. I didn't see much of anything. Um, I was in meetings when it's happening. I had it on CNN in picture in picture on my um, laptop. Um, the canteen where I was in work, they had it on the projectors there and a few TVs around the offices and stuff, but people weren't really talking about it. And then like soon afterwards, I was in the airport. I saw one woman with a sign. Uh, she was obviously on her way to the protests. So it had like a, not my president on it, but that was about it. I suppose I most people... Super awkward because you were in Boston, which I presume is a pretty democratic. It's 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 yeah, it's it's more democratic. I'd say more liberal state. Uh, but you know, but in general, it's 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 like you don't know what state people are from. You don't know what their backgrounds are, and I think I don't know. Is it is it? Yeah, it's just one of the things you don't talk about politics, do you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know and especially to. something like that. That where like you no, know, it's a big company, so. Mm. Just like clearly some of the people in that canteen voted for him, right? Um, so I imagine, yeah. I wonder if it's kind of causing, because you, you're right, the only, uh, your only solution is not to talk about it, right? Because you can't really talk about it in a, like in a way that's just like, oh, we have a new president, isn't that interesting? Because he's a very, mm-hmm. like people have very strong opinions about him either way. You can't really go, ah, Donald Trump, grand, I don't really think anything about him. Yeah, I guess it's just, it's it's kind of like the gay marriage referendum here. Yeah. You said people are going to be talking about it inside in the offices, no matter where you are, or people are going to be voting different to you. So yeah, stay away from it. <laughs> so, product <laughs> review if you time. if you live in Roscommon. <laughs> yes. So, product review time. So, Baz, I lent you my Bose uh, noise-cancelling headphones. Um to take with you on the flight. So what did you think of them? Ah, uh, they're class. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't know, I guess, what to expect, I guess. I, I, you know, even when they say noise cancelling, is it 100% a noise? So what... So the first time you kind of tried them on, obviously, was the plane. I guess you can hear other people talking. So, you know, it's pretty good. But what I guess what it does do is it just... It turns the loud engine noises to a quiet hum um and then when you have music on like you cannot hear anything you can only just hear the music that's what i found anyway the music is loud enough it it kind of stops even the hum coming through um so yeah i picked up a pair myself then (laughs) so what model so i have the qc15 so they're wired only um what so i got the qc35s um and I, I guess the only difference is kind of like I have the Momentum 2.0s, the Sennheisers. And what they end up usually doing is they make them more compact. They fold better. So your ones don't. They fold kind of flat, but they don't fold into the ear, the headset, I think. No, um, yeah. So it just makes them that, that small, that little bit smaller for uh, thrown into a little case, um, but not a huge amount. And yeah, and they're supposed Bluetooth. to be saving for a house or something. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I was saying all week. <clears throat> I kept like my, my boss kept saying, "I ah, go on. Are you going to get these or the, or the AirPods?" And um, I kept saying, "No, I'm buying a buying a house, buying a house." Um, but yeah, you know, <laughs> I got I, I've gotten a little bit of extra money recently, so I spent I pretty much put them back into this. My boss did get the AirPods. Um, they're pretty sleek. 
in terms of I didn't try them on, but in terms of opening the case and them just connecting, um, it's pretty nice. Uh, Ken, I haven't seen them in person yet. Are they the ex- exact same shape as the earpods? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> like, see, I guess it's one of those things. Um, do you like the AirPods now? Do they fit your ears? Do, are they comfortable in your ears? Um, do they fall out when you're doing exercise? So in his case, he'd be down to gym in the morning and he says didn't fall out at all when he was on the treadmill. So, you know, there's a sign there. But then some people, they just fall out with the slightest movement. So it's all about, I guess it's all about your um, ear shape and stuff like that. It, I, I guess in-ear ones, like the Sennheiser ones that are go in-ear, they have like three different types of casing on the outside. You can kind of find one that's going to fit your ear and it's going to stick into your ear. If they came out with a version like that, I think I'd be more inclined to get them. But uh, in terms of the, just a snap open the top of the the casing and then they're connected straight away, that's cool, I think. And I suppose as long as you actually just put them back in the case when you're finished, the chances of actually losing them are pretty slim. Like, Yeah. So have you, you've heard the one about um, your hotel keys. If yeah. you put them in the same pocket, that happened to him twice. So what is it? It's the magnet on the, the mechanism of the case wipes the key, is it? It's yeah. Something like yeah. that, yeah. So you go back up to your room and then you can't get in. And I think he was quick to cop what was going on anyway. Um, which, yeah, I guess that's a funny one. Yeah, I have odd ears. Like the left ear pod is fine, but the right one irritates me. So... That's okay. Uh, I I, two, I, I, I would, two left ears, I'd be great. Hey, Dave, we could go halves. <laughs> That's it, yeah. <laughs> do both of them have, um, I wonder, do both have microphones? I think they do. They do because of the whole beam forming thing or whatever they call yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I but totally go halves. I, I mostly listen to podcasts anyway, so just switch the audio to n- mono to be grand. How bad. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, can we can we just get the the whole? Do you know what is it? Sixty five quid for the last year pod each. You know, we come, we'd come in well under it. Like the problem is, then we'd, we'd need we'd need a case each. That's see, that's where it falls apart. Like I said, yeah. like here, Thomas, will you charge my left ear pod there for me? And you know, I'll pick it up in the morning, and you know, that just gets messy. So I think you know, a nice idea, but we'll have to we'll have to come up with something better. <laughs> One one thing I'll say about the Bose as well, super comfortable. Had them on for over five hours there on the flight back. Um, and I find with the Sennheisers, they do get a bit sore after a while, but uh, the Bose were super comfortable the whole way home. And these are the in-ear version, is it? or the? No, these are the on-ear big ones. On-ear. Okay, cool. Yeah. And are they fairly, so I met and they're good at the noise cancelling as well, because like I suppose most of the, the over-the-ear stuff I've tried would be dependent on you know, the kind of the seal around your ear. Yes, or whatever, so, I suppose. yeah, I think, um, I think they're known for having the best noise cancelling. Uh, so yeah, it was pretty good. As I said, like the engines just went from, um, over like just normal kind of loud engine noises down to like a kind of low hum, a constant noise, um, that you can quickly get you know you don't notice it and then when you have music on and it's playing over them uh, you cannot hear hear any other noise besides the music i found anyway maybe because my ears were half blocked <laughs> because of flying but yeah 
I'm and can good. you, because of the noise cancellation, can you listen to the at a fairly low volume, like without on a um, plane or something like that? You'd normally have, like, even though it doesn't seem loud, you look at your volume and then you realize you've turned up full. I find yeah. no, with it's it's mine, it's the same thing. Yeah, I find with mine that I'm sort of three or four bars lower with my volume for the same effective. Um, okay, so might be worth on a plane or in general. In general. Yeah, in general, yes, I think so. On the plane, I was definitely up in the red on the iPhone. Okay. Um, so are you going to wear these? Are you going to use these for work? I'm not sure. Uh, I think I'm thinking about it anyway. I might bring them in. Um, they're they're pretty class. I say they're comfortable. Uh, when they're wired, you get like 40 hours battery. Um, I haven't actually charged them yet. I bought them and they were charged. And anytime I turned them on Bluetooth, it's still telling me 50%, even though I've used them for hours and hours and hours and hours. It's still saying 50% battery. So I'm kind of like, wow. Um, one thing I didn't know, you're not allowed to use Bluetooth headsets on airplanes. Ooh. Or that's what they told us not to use. They said anyone with Bluetooth oh. headsets, you can't use them, put them into wired motor or whatever. Huh. It's the first time I've ever heard that. But I guess with the ubiquity of... Bluetooth devices now they're just kind of like look it's another thing we're not sure about yet don't don't use them <laughs> mm. but uh going back again in March hopefully to Boston so got them with me and Thomas I'll give you back yours thank you very much no problem did you um did you look were you tempted by anything else over in the states like to buy no no um colleague buddy of mine that was over there he bought the the apple watch um but having had one before um i know what i like about it but i can't justify it even though your headphones um, are roughly the price for an apple watch today yeah no i can justify that oh. i got a cool new watch anyway it's cool it charges in like 30 seconds you know it's got two two time zones in it <laughs> and it's 24 hour it's right once a day hey so pfft don't need any new, <laughs> new watches but uh, um, yeah I, I was ba- in a mechanical battery is it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was in um i was in best buy and they had a load of the the house stuff inside in there all very cool um but again high prices and stuff like that is there much difference in what's available over there because like maplin and the you, you sent down some pictures like and it seems to just really mm. be what maplin and harvey norman yeah I, have here. like it's it's literally like you know, the POS point of sales stuff. If you ever worked in a shop, they send them to every single shop. They send you a stand and they're like, okay, this is how you set it up. This is where you place it. We want it in this position in the shop, blah, blah, blah. So that's what they do. They just get like a pre-made stand or something and then stick it around. But it's kind of funny because they had a little house set up. I didn't show you that photo, but someone had stuck a Batman inside in there. <laughs> so it was Batman in his smart house. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just... It's just a bunch of demo stuff set up and then the boxes underneath to buy them. It had the Amazon Echo, it had the Google Home, all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, probably the exact same you get in Curry's and stuff like that. The shop was just a bit bigger because everything's big over there. So I guess it sounds like there's going to be a little bit of sort of transatlantic flight in your future, you know, for work. Are you a good flyer? Mm. Like, are you, like you got home yesterday early yesterday morning like how are you for jet lag you know how was the kind of airport i think this is the best time i've ever in recent memory this is the best time i've come back to the states the previous two times 
I remember being bad. It's my, I don't know, sixth or seventh time coming back. The last two times were rough. This time was pretty okay. Got home at six, in bed till about 12. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember what's going on. I slept till 12 o'clock today anyway. I was in bed at probably about half one last night. I kind of stayed up. Um, so I feel okay. Tomorrow I should be grand. Fair play. Yeah. I'm probably just getting withdrawal symptoms from giant coffees. <laughs> you know, it's really easy just to kick up a giant coffee, especially in the canteen and work. It's like, it's like it's a dollar twenty five or a dollar fifty or something. And you get like this massive coffee and it's like, okay, we'll go on. So like it's Starbucks and everything. And then like a regular size coffee would be a dollar. Um, so it's, you see people drinking big cups of coffee all the time. Uh, I think I have, yeah, had way too much coffee last week. Not enough tea. <laughs> I've read um, Indian guys giving out about not being able to get good tea in the States. Indians are into their tea as well. Yeah, my uh, someone I know visited a like a tea place for I I don't know what they're called like over in um that that part of the world and basically we get like the floor sweepings over here. <laughs> I was always under the impression that like we'd get got decent enough tea, berries and the like. Did I ever tell you my tea story? Yes. Oh. Maybe no, not. No, you didn't. <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> Just up. didn't want you to tell it. Shut up. <laughs> so Irish tea is significantly different to tea that you get in Britain. Right. And there's a historical reason for it. Uh, during World War Two. Oh, um, I read all about this recently. Right. The whole history of tea in Ireland. Did you send us on a link? No. Okay, go on. Oh, shy, because I, I, I really wanted to write it up as a blog post because it's kind of information scattered around various parts of the internet that I put together. But I was too lazy to write it up and now it sounds like somebody has written it up. So, damn. No, go on with your story anyway. It could be a completely different story. So, World War II. Um, so, we would have got our tea basically like through the empire. So, like from India. Um, Mm. And that supply route was cut off um, during World War II and rationing in Britain and stuff. So basically it was this like kind of high level discussed at cabinet thing. Like, how are we going to keep, how are we going to keep our nation going without tea? So they sent, the government sent some lads off to um, East Africa um to try and kind of source an alternative supply of tea for the nation and they set up like a nationalized company uh, i think it was called tea importers to basically go around the world and and um find alternative sources of tea that wasn't from india <clears throat> and uh, east african teas they're they're because of the climate they're a sort of darker tea um, and that's why to this very day, like, cause I always hear my sister moaning about, you know, all those people who go to London and get people to send them over berries and stuff. Um, mm. they actually, they're not being silly and sort of nostalgic. Like there is a huge difference between Irish tea and English tea because English tea is, uh, traditionally lighter cause it's made f- traditionally been from, uh, Indian teas. So there you go. Yeah, I'll put uh, an article in the show notes from the Irish Times from just two weeks ago. So just a stole there. my blog post. Yeah, well, damn it. 
You can change the date in WordPress, you know that, and make it look like you wrote <laughs> yeah. first. <laughs> it's, it's, it's only a short article. Um, there probably is more you could fill in. Damn it. I think this is the right one I read he, anyway. He, he got the other bit um, of information, which I was going to finish off the story with. Um, because of um, the length of time it took to get tea um, from Africa, they, they basically they had to set up financing uh, arrangements and uh, eventually ended up set, setting up their own bank um which ended up being called the Irish Bank of Commerce which eventually became Anglo-Irish Bank oh. so there you go all down bastards uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you had a good time in the states anyway yeah states is always fun I think I'm getting I think I'm getting used to it but like again you know it's it's Work hotel, work hotel most of the time, you know, you, you don't get to see, I guess, the, the city. So if I'm back again, uh, I'll be seeing the city the next time. Seen it before, Boston's class. Definitely cool. recommend it as a place to go. Do they understand you? Yes. Uh, the only time someone got confused was uh, one of my colleagues. She asked a question, how was someone? And the reply was, oh yeah, he's in good form. And she was like, what does that mean? <laughs> and I was like, just end that good. Oh, yeah, he's good or something like that, which is bad grammar in itself. But, you know, <laughs> so yeah, I, was... I think for the most for the most part, sometimes you hear yourself back and you're like, that probably didn't make any sense, but they're too polite. So I tried out um, sort of the first few minutes of the last episode of our podcast on Watson, the IBM thing. And it has a speech mm. to test text a module that you can try out online. Um, and they have different modes, like it's not a universal one. So they have a US English, UK English, um, you know, and they have different different languages like French and Spanish and stuff. So I ran through, uh, yeah, the first three minutes of our last episode through it. And Watson did slightly better when it was set to U- US, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. I'd say so though, because like I mean, if you think if you take the, I, I don't know if you take a spectrum of like English accents to to American accents, I'd say the flat Irish accent, Irish or Hiberno English accent, um, I think is the, is the correct term, is probably closer to to American, because hmm. um, I've even I've met um, French speakers who were told to go to Ireland to learn English instead of the UK. Oh, right. Because, of, because uh, apparent, well, in, in the the cities, at least, or at least in some parts, the, the accent is just flatter, more, more straightforward. I think England has a huge amount of variety. And, like, I don't know, I think we've, we're probably, like, reasonably similar enough. I mean, yeah. I watched that. Young Offenders movie there the other day, and it's the the lads from Cork. But you know, if you close your eyes, it's the Rubber Bandits. You know, hmm. yeah, it's, yeah. It's you know, it's not that. <laughs> it's you know, we're all only a few hundred miles in accents. Now, look, you, you know, Healy Rays is one thing, but you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would, I'd mind Watson doing that actually. If you if you do something like uh, some of the the political broadcasts from all the different counties or whatever you know during mm-hmm. the, the election and uh yeah. see which see which county in ireland has the 
the most recognizable, um, most text-to-speech friendly accent. So I had a bit of a wasted weekend this weekend. I was full of plans and got through oh, no. none of them. And actually, it's partly, speaking of Watson, it's partly IBM's fault. Bame. Does it involve Blue Mix? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Okay. I never, it's not like, oh, their tooling's really bad. I never even registered an account. I was just stuck for four hours on their documentation trying to make sense of it. And I started getting stubborn and we're like, no, this, this. Can you explain Bluemix? Dave? Oh, you're on your own, buddy. It's, uh, Bluemix is. Obviously, it's just, it's just for listeners, right? Well, tell (laughs) us what you were, tell us what you were doing, first of all, I suppose, Yes. Okay, so. I was doing a bit of Swift. Basically, I noticed that um, the the book that I used five years ago to learn iOS development is made by a company called Big Nerd Ranch. And I, I did mention it when we were talking about Alan Gill's email a, f- a few episodes ago. Um, but anyway, it, at, at the time, it hadn't been updated to support Swift 3, and now it has. So my big plan this weekend was I was going to pile through the book, because it's a really good book, um, but because they've rewritten it not only for Swift 3, but for some sort of more modern practices, some of which didn't exist five years ago. So I was going to kind of use it as an excuse to brush up my skills and, and my sort of how I approach projects. But then I was sort of daydreaming. I'm like, oh, Swift. Oh, and isn't it great? And um, I was just after listening to the Chris Latner interview on Accidental Tech Podcast. Buzz, you didn't get to listen to this yet, no? No, I have it downloaded, but I heard even the first 20 seconds of it. Yeah. It's amazing. And Dave, did you get through it? Uh, I started it anyway, yeah. I didn't, um, not 100% through it, but I heard a good bit. Really good interview, by the way. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, no, very good. And um, uh, he wasn't, uh, he, you know, he wasn't afraid to take him to task on uh, <laughs> a few a few issues. And what did you think, Dave, did you get to the bit where he sort of, you know, he was sounding really ambitious and kind of almost aggressive about the the language and the future of the language? Like he was really sort of touting it as... This this is going to be the replacement for C plus plus. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I don't. I mean, it's it's one of these things that obviously, like you know, IBM are behind it as well. It's not strictly an Apple thing. Um, at this stage, it will. It seems to be that it'll be controlled from Apple from the for the future. But I think they need to work on. The Swift, as uh, it's Swift runtime for Linux, and a few other bits and pieces, and I, I could probably see that happening to some extent. Um, I think it's more. I don't I, like. I don't know will it ever replace like C, but um, I think it's in the. It's kind of in the toss up with Go and Rust and a few others. Yeah. So, anyway, so that interview is really interesting, and you know, definitely recommend people to listen to it because it's not that technical um even though they're talking about very technical things um and did offer a kind of glimpse of the future so after listening to that i'm like oh 
Like, is it possible today to write a Hello World Swift app on a server? Because even if it's not ready for prime time, like if it's suitable for my kind of very marginal hobbyist needs, sort of these toy projects, that would also be an interesting way to sort of practice my Swift. Um, so to go back to your question then, Baz, so Bluemix is sort of IBM's version of AWS or Azure, as in it's yep. their cloud computing platform. And I guess... Catch all mm-hmm. for everything, pretty much. Yeah. IBM yep. in the cloud is what they talk about. And, and similar to, and especially I know Azure is also guilty of this they have hundreds of products under this Mm -hmm. banner all of which seem to have overlapping functionality and vague sort of names that kind of like the descriptions don't really explain what they do not even in a technical way but just in a functional way like um so one of them was um they have a an object server so you're like all right Objects. Well, maybe you know, because one thing I was looking about, like what, what could I persist? How could I persist data in a, a Swift server app on Bluemix? And I had to go like five levels deep in the documentation before I realised they weren't talking about objects like a string or you know, like a small object in object-oriented programming. They were talking about like. Oh, backing up disks or something and it's just like anyway yeah, the equivalent of s3 basically yeah so amazon this um anyway yeah just i i just wasted a huge amount of time wading through all this stupid documentation but it does seem that ibm are really going heavy in on swift so they've their own swift web framework um swift is one of the options when sort of firing up uh a blue mix thing that they, they, they have some stupid name for it and i've forgotten what it is but it's like you know you're setting up your server do you want it based on node.js or java or swift so i thought that was cool cool and they have a free layer so again super complicated and it's really difficult to understand um what is that but i think you're allowed as many instances as you want and if the total memory of those instances is uh let me get this right if the total memory is less than half a gigabyte then they're free so you could have two instances with 256 megs of ram each or you could have four instances with 128 each um most but there's no data persistence there so most of their uh the kind of sql stuff is charged for i think they have a no sql thing where you get some amount to free um so anyway I, I might look at it at some point although you know just the experience of these things is what the sales docs say and what you can actually do can be two radically different things so did you learn any swift no nothing a little bit. <laughs> I was one of those real sort of, oh, just when your brain is just mush and you try and sit down. I, like, I got through 
two chapters of this book. So not nothing, nothing, but I should have ripped through loads of it because like, I, I know most of it, you know. Shiny, do. shiny new things. Yeah. This is the thing, like, you do nothing for a weekend, Dave, but at least, you know, you ensured the survival of a poor, defenseless young baby. Whereas I, I do nothing all weekend and I just feel, eh. I read four chapters of a research methods book. Now you're just making me was... feel bad. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, the defenseless baby was out of the county. <laughs> <laughs> He was being defenseless elsewhere. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Research methods. It's like, I know all of these words, but all of them have a different meaning <laughs> to what I think they mean. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my weekend. Great fun. Oh. I, I would be so grumpy if I had to do a master's on top of. Yeah. Deep breaths, deep breaths. I think you'd just be grumpy anyway. Yeah, well, you know me in real life. I mean, we don't have to pretend that I'm a lovely person for the podcast. <laughs> oh, I meant Thomas be grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we we haven't seen each other since the iOS meetup last weekend. Oh, yeah. That was pretty cool, actually. Yeah. So that we, was fun. That was fun. We had people there. Baz, do you want to... So to summarize briefly what you gave your presentation on? Yeah, I gave my, uh, what was it on? <laughs> container <laughs> views. Yeah, I know I say container views, but then it had collection views in it. And I actually called a project like collection, collection view views, project yeah. or something. And I was like, no, it's container view. Container views, which the way I showed it is just uh, separating uh, code that you might have in one view controller into multiple view controllers um so i think it's just it, with storyboards and stuff uh, what i think is nice about certain things that are nice about storyboards one of them is i guess it's very visually understandable what sometimes is going on um so container views work with storyboards and it kind of visually shows you that um you know you have a view controller and it's in another view controller I've been we've been doing this stuff for years. You know, we've been writing our own view controllers and code, um, and programmatically adding them to you know on top of another view controller. Basically, we've always been doing it, but with container views, it's just a bit more visual. Um, I guess I worry more nowadays about handing off code to other people and that they can easily go into it and look at it and go and go. Okay, I know what's going on here. Um, yeah, from the sounds of people online and just in general, though, it sounds like going towards storyboards is the exact would have the exact opposite effect of handing your code off to someone, <laughs> even though it's, it's nice yeah. and clean. Some of it would be just like, oh, storyboards. <sighs> yeah. Um, that's the, I, can't, that's I cannot see, I cannot see anyone getting away from storyboards in the future. I protest. I think for they're so great. I just, uh, like I, yeah. I looked it up the other day. It's three years now I've been using storyboards. Um, right. From my first, my first, um, my first app in storyboards and auto layout was three years ago and I did it because I didn't have enough time to do an app. <laughs> and so, you know, it was like, so can you have this done in three days? I mean, you know, um, and, and it made sense in that app because that app is very page after page after page after page. Oh, that's it. It was, it was almost a sequential, you know, page one, page two, yeah. page three, page four. Um, and then, but it was, and the segues and everything and just being able to roll back to all of the, through all of the views without, you know, 
just yes. being able to like I press this button and now I'm back at the start and not having to actually manage any of that sort of stuff like you can it, it was almost as if you could treat every view individually and then just hook them up and not have to worry about the the the, the process too much like I, I it was it was enlightening like I mean and it was you know had I not had to get it done so quickly I wouldn't have I wouldn't have had that experience I totally sold on auto layout I'm totally sold on storyboards yeah I guess the problem with storyboards is as we've seen you know uh they can get massive but I believe now you, that you can uh separate you can them, refactor into... them easily but you just have to make sure that like a, there's there's a kind of a halfway point where people use storyboards and mm. they basically use it as a nib repository instead of actually linking up the storyboards so if all of the storyboards are linked you select one and you go basically move to new storyboard and you're done right but if they're a bunch of separate things it's kind of hard to it makes yeah. it makes very little sense to use a storyboard in the first place so i mean you have to use it right to get the benefit and i think a lot of people are half-assing it so dave yeah would you advocate then kind of your main dot storyboard is essentially defining like navigation and possibly sort of like high level layout of, of views and then perhaps somewhere else those view, the detail of those views are getting configured or you when 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 it's when it takes when the compile time gets ridiculous okay. um because like at, at the end you hit you hit command r or whatever and at the end then it's just like compiling storyboard and you're like uh, all I did was change the text on a label, you know. So if it's a huge storyboard, it's going to recompile the full storyboard. So realistically, the only reason for me to hive them out is like my laptop can handle huge storyboards. It makes no difference. The problem is the compiling of them. So if you break it up, it's like the same as any file. It only compiles the ones you've actually modified. So, yeah. you know, if you if you kind of compartmentalize your app, the compile time will be quicker. And we all know that the whole run you know deploy to phone cycle is still far too long mm. um mm -hmm. and anything you can do to reduce that like you can nearly half the time if it's a huge if it's a, an app with huge storyboards um in my experience anyway you can almost half the time that it takes to to do a build by not you know by breaking up the storyboard and not making changes in every single storyboard and every build the, the I, thought, I thought one of the just quickly, the one of the nice benefits I showed at the thing was um, I, I, re, I reused one part of my code. So I had a view controller that was a table view that presented some data, but I was easily able to have a container view in two different view controllers and connect them up to it. So this table view, I could use it in one view controller. And then when I moved on, instead of having to go back and do some, you know, go back and choose. So basically, it, 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 on the first view, it presented a load of uh, sensors. You could collect the sensor. It popped you onto another view. If you wanted to uh, pick another sensor, what you'd normally have to do is go back, you know, pick a sensor and reload that page again. But what I was able to do was pop up that list of sensors in the new view. This doesn't fucking make any sense. <laughs> anyway, uh, I was just able to reuse code through container views very, very, very quickly. Um, I think that was, was brilliant. Nice. And as well, I think when you're, if you're doing something with um, multiple, I suppose, let's say iPad, where you want it to actually be a different layout or maybe use a different mm -hmm. storyboard or something to actually use the the container view to import the view into that kind of a setup is very good. What yeah. I re one of the things I really liked about your talk, Baz, was that I guess I really felt throughout your talk that you were, your whole talk was for me, 
kind of about learning from experience. So kind of like none of us gets this right the first time, but that you clearly sort of applied some uh, logic and analysis to stuff that you'd done in the past. And you were like, okay, here's a problem I have identified. Like, how can I make it better? And you found a way to make it better. I, I think it was more along the lines of, what the hell is this thing? Oh my God, I need to be using this right now. Why? Yeah, no, it, it was a case of I found this thing and I was like, oh my God, I have to use this. It's, I think, I think that's, you know, happens a lot of the times. It's, you learn from other people sometimes as well. So I saw someone else using it and I was like, okay, what is this? I have to go in and have to investigate what it is and then I just have to reuse it. So yeah, you're writing so much as, you know, and kind of trying to share my knowledge with people and stuff like that. Because, um, you know, people that would be coming in, they're either beginners um, and you want to set them down the right road. Um, they're intermediate and they might be kind of struggling with things. Or like me, you know, uh, a quite a senior person. And sometimes you miss new tools that come out um, because, you know, you're stuck in your way sometimes. And it's like... I'm I'm only seeing certain things sometimes, uh, new things that are coming around. I didn't go near auto layout for ages and I kind of wish I had. So I think it's beneficial for really a lot of different people um, for a lot of different reasons to go to these mm-hmm. talks. Um, so it's good. And I, I have to say, like, I mean, we've had, we've been coding in very close proximity to each other for a number of years, but mm-hmm. um, I suppose I haven't really seen anything you've done in the last three years until you started doing these talks because obviously you know it's it's code for work you can't be like hey dave let's violate all the agreements (laughs) yeah look at my code but um like the the just the style and everything that you're you're showing off um at the meetups and everything is like it it almost represents to me like it's like almost the most efficient mix of the actual tools and productivity like i mean i think you found a very good kind of pragmatic combination of the tools and the setup Do you know based on your own experience like i think you're kind of in a local um local minimum local maxima i forget which one but you know i, I, um, I, I, I guess it's hit, a, thing like... a sweet spot anyway definitely and it's 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 very nice to 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 see your code i appreciate that it's very nice <laughs> um I, I i think i think a big thing as well is just like how many view controllers have I had to write? How many properties, you know, IB outlets and stuff like this. And it's it's reducing the amount of code I have to write and how quickly I can do it as well. Um, it's a lot of yeah. it is just getting rid of the boilerplate, getting rid of the boilerplate and then getting into the proper coding of everything. So you set up your views and everything like that. That stuff is kind of, it can be boring. It can be fun when you're kind of doing cool UI stuff. But um, a lot of times you kind of want to get into the code. You want to write the algorithms and stuff like that. So this stuff now is really just taking a lot of that hassle out of me, away from me. Um, not having to go in anymore and care about screen sizes. You know, I, I know what the app is going to look like on all screen sizes instantly, just with a few clicks of a button, not building on different phones, not pulling out phones out of a drawer. I can get all this stuff done. It's like, okay, get rid of all that crap because I'm doing it for <laughs> what, like eight years or something like this. And it's like, okay, mm. time to really get that stuff efficient and then focus on, you know, the proper code. And I think Thomas, it is, you'd give it. Sorry, go on. No, I just said, and I think it is kind of credit to Apple. They're getting their stuff together in that in that respect yes. as well. Like you know, they're they're providing the tools that are actually usable. 
you know, because yeah. the first, much as, first first gen auto layout, like, oh goes, my god, what the hell? First is gen anything like? Apple. If the, the first time we had Xcode, oh my god, people complain about it now, and it's like they've yeah. come a long way. Interface Builder was a separate program. <laughs> And you, you you closed it after you were done with it. You closed it and you, you built the project. You open it, close it, and compile the nib. Like, yeah. God. Oh, my God. Uh, I <laughs> Yeah, a few things that happened recently, and one of them is, Baz, your talk, that just made me a bit excited about development again, you know. The, as, you, as you guys say, the, the tools are there, you know, and this this concept that, so, you know, this auto layout thing we're, we're talking about is basically once the iPhone 5 came out and the iPad, I guess, but suddenly we were dealing with devices with different sizes and now we have a huge range of sizes. So Apple developed this technique called auto layout so you could have an uh, um, the layout of your app could adapt, could change based on um, the size of the device. Um, and like, yeah, this this stuff so great so powerful but also as you said Baz you have you have to think less now because you're not thinking about oh does it work on this phone how does it look on the iPad you're thinking more in a more modular way that will ensure that that if Apple comes up with more devices that it'll work on them as well because you're you're not kind of designing anything to the last pixel yeah and I think a lot of times if you present this stuff from uh designers now and I go on to dribble quite a lot I can just look at something and it's kind of that matrix moment where it breaks down in your head into views and how you'd lay them out and everything like that. I think that's what auto layout facilitates that you kind of, you're not too worried about how am I going to make it look like this on screen. You kind of, you're breaking it down to quadrants and smaller bits and auto layout really does facilitate all that, especially with stack views now. Stack views probably are the best thing ever in terms of laying everything out symmetrically, you know, with the right amount of spaces and stuff. It's it's taking all that guesswork out and you really just, the more and more you use auto layout, the more comfortable you become with it, the more efficient you become with it and um, you can knock out screens instantly. Then it's not so much of an issue then, okay, you kind of go in, you can knock out a screen. Someone turns around and goes, do you know, I don't quite like that, whatever. Um, I know you shouldn't get to that point, you should have already have a design from the very, very, very start, but you can quickly then start changing things around uh, without breaking too much. Um, and just on um before we get to, to Thomas's talk, um I was uh upgrading a particular view in a legacy app that was done with largely um a programmatic button layout. Mm. Uh so it was it it instantiated a kind of a, a grid of buttons for lack of a better description, and it created the, the rectangle coordinates and then it threw them onto the screen. And yeah. I was looking at that and I was like, you know, what's the the easiest way to do that so i literally deleted the lines of code that generated the seed the, the the direct and the coordinates and instead of add to the to the view i added it to a stack view and then they all just came in in a lovely stack and that was the end of it <laughs> and that was the view yeah. that was the view migrated to auto layout with with i added i, I added no code i changed i i technically created an ib outlet and i changed the the add view and I deleted all of the CG rack. So I ended up with less code and a more flexible, um, more flexible end result without actually having to do too much work. Um, you know, so, so I recommend, um, anyone looking for stack views, they, 
I think it's the Stanford course that's on uh, iTunes for Swift. This second episode, he shows how to build a calculator in all layout and stack views. I think that was a whoa moment for me um, because stack views weren't always in all layout. It's only recent. I think everyone who is scared of all layout should just look at that video. That that one part, it's about two minutes long. It's near the end of the video, I think. It just explains everything very, very well. Uh, just also, Thomas, further to your point, when you're saying you're kind of getting excited about coding again with this stuff. Hmm. Uh, I feel the same. And I think, I, I guess my journey has always been, I've created a lot of apps in in the first kind of couple of jobs I had in iOS, created a lot of apps. And then I went to a company where I was working on one singular app and it was a monstrosity. You know, I was taking over someone's code and it was huge and it was awful. And you just had to learn the code intimately. And it was rotten. As like some of the projects days probably worked on before, you're, you're giving someone's code and it's like, what the hell is going on here? Where now again, I'm starting afresh and I'm choosing to use all these tools that are in Xcode and stuff. And I'm writing these apps again from the ground up. And I'm I'm like, okay, I'm sick of having to work on a huge code repository. How can I make this app easier for me to code for if it does get big in the future, if someone else has to take it in the future? Um, I think that's my, that's where I'm coming at apps right now. Um, it's just years of doing things badly and, you know, it being such a pain in the head. And I think that was one of the things I wanted to get across in the talk was, look, this is not also it's beneficial for you but it's also beneficial for everyone else that you're giving this code to it's beneficial for you that has to come back in a year's time and update the app for ios 11 or add new features you have not looked at this code in a year you don't remember what any of it does um just break it down into smaller chunks for yourself you know or you know make it easier for someone else in the future so it's kind of got what me it's got me excited definitely again for development again speaking of design um just sent a link to you guys and i'll put it in the show notes uh apple this week um released a, a huge set of resources for designers app designers Ooh. oh excellent so they launched two massive um basically they're offering it both in photoshop and in sketch format and they're two massive kind of projects with every single um design element and none of these have existed in you know third Kinotopia, part basically yeah yeah but they, they really seem to have gone the end so for example they give you the you know the dynamic type feature the accessibility one um mm -hmm. where you can scale the type like in this file it gives you the font size of every single class so like header um caption body text at every single dynamic type um level so they put a huge amount of work into this looks really good excellent wow and cool. videos they have um like i know there are other app icon generators but to be honest i was never really happy with any of them and the one that apple seems to have done seems to be nice um no this is great because or i'll be working alongside uh, a new graph designer so give them this you know um say you're allowed to change the colors and that's it <laughs> that's it but that's it like um i don't know if there's anything like this for android if anyone there probably is but um there are yeah, the, as keynotopia is kind of the the de facto non-official one and it has them for a lot of it has them for 
a lot of different platforms and a lot of different graphics programs, including Keynote, obviously. Um, Brilliant. But I don't know about an official one. No, even something close to it, or you know, what's she had? Wow. I actually spent money on the the Keynotopia a while back Mm -hmm. for the just the basic iOS designs, and it's been brilliant for for prototyping because, like, it it was a few quid, it was grand, but you know, cheaper than Sketch. I already know how to use Keynote. You can do nothing in Keynote, pretty much. Like, you know, so you can copy and paste all of the elements into Keynote, change the text, off you go. Brilliant. So some of the other things that um, you get with this is um, you get a, a proper version of San Francisco, the font. Ah, um, cool. For anybody to use. Um, you get a, a kind of system color file um, with the default app colors. Um, and you get all the kind of... UI elements and stuff. I'm really glad Apple had done this because I think, you know, they clearly put a lot of work into their UI stuff, but some of that stuff isn't necessarily visible to the design community because it's kind of lost in the developer documentation. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think this strikes me as something that maybe Apple developed internally um, and just decided to make it to share it out. You know, it strikes me as something that maybe they've had for a while. Yeah, yeah, because actually uh, we were talking yesterday about a presentation that Apple gave, an Apple engineer gave at WWDC 2014 about making a table view um, from a collection view. And in that talk, the guy actually talked about, oh, we got these great new designs that we had to implement which I thought was funny. Like, I guess you don't think of Apple iOS engineers working in the same way as the rest of us do in terms of being provided with a design that we have to implement. So I think it's good. I think it, sorry, I was just going to say, I think it's going to result in better apps because hopefully people are going to better appreciate the default. No, it won't. What? (laughs) Just, (laughs) I think Baz is like, I don't know. It 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 does involve people finding this and downloading it and getting to know it, like, and being forced. It to does, do it. yeah, yeah. I think there's and still yeah. there's still the the need to stand out, you know. And I think that's that's very hard to suppress. It's like you know, we're different. We have we we've changed the height of our nav bar, and <laughs> you know, I mean, that kind of thing. Yeah. We've just we've 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 messed with everything just enough to be unique. And I don't care what Apple says. And that seems to be the norm. Like, I mean, it, it's, it's not that it can't be beautiful, but like, it's like, do you hate your future self? If so, change everything <laughs> just slightly and then come back to it in a year when iOS 11 comes out, you know? Yeah. yeah. I would love, I would love to see Apple. Hopefully this is the start of some de- design evangelism that Apple do because it's, there hasn't been enough usability evangelism, which is basically like sort of, I don't know, just people making the case for things that work well. That classic Steve Jobs quote about design is how it works, not how it looks. Um, and I'd love to see, because everybody wants stuff that looks nice. And I guess I just think mm. certainly the history of yeah, the web yeah. has shown that 
um, usability can really suffer in that environment. Mm-hmm. So how's the usability in Mac apps, Thomas? <laughs> yeah, so what was the second part of our talk then? So I think this is slightly your fault, Baz, because um, we didn't <laughs> we kind of didn't know what we we're going to do for this meetup. And we're in the pub, obviously. And obviously, I sort of rashly said, oh, I did a, a toy Mac app a year and a half ago. Sure. I'm sure the code isn't that bad. Um, I Still just, waiting for the, I was, my fault part. Oh yeah, I don't know. You should have stopped me. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. I should have been your conscience. Yeah. So. Why, what was wrong with it? That was super good. Um, I think I learned a lot from it because I realized. That code was rough though. And I was hung over that day and I looked at it and went, oh my God. I didn't sad. even, I didn't even look at the code. I was kind of more interested in how similar it is to iOS in a way. That's what kind of piqued my interest in your talk and it was just like wow i could you know start making mac apps if i wanted to so yeah so basically my talk was about uh building mac apps from a very naive sort of way um i guess baz so after my talk are you tempted would you oh definitely um i could easily see making word snap porting it over um i don't think it would work as well on uh with mouse um but yeah it'd be cool because i suppose i wrote what i'd like to do is i'd like to do a networking app i guess because i wrote um the app i wrote in the last company was heavily networking based you know it was a a messaging app so it needed incoming outgoing and stuff like that but that but restrictions with iphone is that you cannot keep uh connections open in the background um there's workarounds and stuff like that but uh polling sockets were a big thing so having stream that was open that could receive messages from uh the server you know that's not guaranteed in the background and that's why push notifications are so big it's it's a way of getting you to open your app when you cannot receive information in the background but not having those restrictions on a mac app would be kind of cool um kind of see how you could do stuff there but i'd be tempted now i might open up xcode over the next few weeks and try mac app just need ideas right (laughs) that's the easy bit (laughs) Easy bit. Should make an app that airplays Spotify. <laughs> yeah, for Thomas. <laughs> Dave, did you ever write Mac apps? Not using native Mac stuff. No, I've done a few apps with uh, Python and some various Python GUI frameworks, and also I've done C plus plus apps using the Juice framework that have run okay. on the Mac, but no no Objective-C native Mac app, sadly. So, um, Dave, with the yeah. Python stuff, did you use, because there are, I think, Python bindings to Coco? There are, yeah. I didn't use that. I used the, essentially the native Python GUI TK. Oh, okay, okay. Um, which is ugly as sin, but uh, it, it did the job in this case. It was just a, a USB downloader app basically um so the you know it was just here's a few buttons and off you go sweet so i'm uh, looking back it would probably actually have been easier to do it in objective c but i lost like i mean i i wrote them the the python app on the mac but then i was able to package it in a virtual machine as a windows exe and it just ran you know so um, minus obviously I had to change some of the USB stuff but other than that it was fairly fairly nice 
Whereas I'm it would have been two hundred percent separate apps if I'd used Objective C. <laughs> I'm gonna start like a like I'm here at GarageBand, just uh, expanding it and stuff like that, seeing how they use space and stuff. That's one thing I guess. I, yeah. You know, it's it's difficult. Yeah, I suppose the one thing I took away from your presentation, Thomas, was how little we actually have on iOS in comparison to the Mac in terms of interface <laughs> yeah. builder and auto layout. Because I was just looking at the dates there, and it looks like the stack view came out in Mavericks, which was a full iteration before they appeared in iOS 9. Oh, wow. Um, I could be wrong now, but it looks like it looks like... Um, you know, and then there was the, what is it, the NS token edit and stuff, or whatever it's called. You know, there was a lot of stuff that we don't have on iOS, a lot of more richer kind of controls um, that I have seen people re-implement in Co- Cocoa Pods for, for iOS that Apple aren't providing. So I think there's, um, I don't know, it opened my eyes that there's a huge amount of really built-in stuff for free. Like nearly everything to do with Finder is there draggable as a, as a component from the from the sidebar like oh drag in the path yeah oh drag in a sidebar drag in a you know a list view or what are a uh, table view or whatever they're called and off you go i think i said in the talk i've read arguments online that actually the mac app store as neglected as it is by apple but actually there's a culture paying for mac apps on the Mac that has largely disappeared from the iPhone and the iPad and that there's a case to be made for if you're an indie developer actually developing Mac apps you might make more money even though the market is so much smaller. Yeah that was um, a big thing a few years ago like I mean if you look at uh, companies like Panic and even um, there was an app years ago called Things I'm sure it's still there but um, I, I bought it years ago and these are all small, almost boutique uh, software development companies that are making a living off Mac apps. And a lot of them have uh, a window, some of them anyway have Windows apps as well. And it just seems that the Mac performs much better in terms of sales and the, the willingness of people to, to buy stuff. Yeah, if you think of like Omni Group, I guess, is right. are they panic? Is Panic Omni Group, or is that? Uh, they weren't, but okay. So yeah, no, like Omni Group are another company that like they do iOS apps, but it seems like they make their money from Mac apps, and they seem to employ like you know a list of sort of people who I would consider rock stars, you know. So it's clearly working. Mm. That's it, and I think if you can, you know, if you can do something that's a Mac app. And iPhone, iPad, you know, once you've hooked people mm-hmm. with, the, with one of those, it's easier to get them to pay for for everything, like, you know, the the, the mobile app for the, the Fiverr or the subscription or whatever. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, um, I hate saying it, but I think that's probably reduced recently or lately, maybe. I'm not sure. It seems to me that a lot of these apps are heading towards the subscription web model or the just mm. plain old subscriptions for no reason, like text expander. Um, now there's look, there's some nominal cloud component, but 
you know, and I think one password as well has gone to a subscription. I don't know. I think it's I, I think a subscription for something that was just an app is the is the end. You know Photoshop. I remember yeah. the day when that's it, you'd yeah. pay some money and you'd get an app and you'd own it. You'd own the license. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you would have a license, a revocable, terminatable, non transferable license. <laughs> A license. They might take it away from you, but you had it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Class. Oh. Yeah, I know the t- the times there are changing, but I think I, I think for the, the time being, like, you know, it's still it's the same thing that you know, the what is it, the the travel websites were showing more expensive options to Mac users first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a while back, you know, I think. Look, if you if you're going to spend two grand on a machine, you're not going to be afraid to spend thirty quid on an app that's decent, or or forty quid mm-hmm. or something. You know, like you're not going to like. There's no way in hell I'd put up with OpenOffice or LibreOffice or anything like that on my Mac. You know, just mm-hmm. whatever, <laughs> whatever the cost is for Keynote, I'll, I'll, it's free now, isn't it? So that doesn't really matter. Like, but I'll pay whatever the cost is of that free app. I will pay it. <clears throat> so, so I suppose uh, sorry go on no go on I, I suppose speaking of uh, I don't know end times <laughs> uh, speaking of unviable software models Dave is that it <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to go there like but speaking <laughs> of um, speaking of people who are reluctant to implement subscriptions even though yes. I think it was a perfectly valid business model Thomas <laughs> do you have any follow up so yes I do so um, <laughs> I, largely positive as well so um, since last episode I well since recording the last episode I have written all, to all my customers. I mean, I, I actually wrote to them before I uh, released the episode because obviously I wanted them to uh, know first. Um, so, yeah, like you're writing to 100 people um, saying you're shutting down. Um, and I have to say, like, overwhelmed by how positive everybody was. Oh, this is my customers. Uh, everybody seemed understanding. Um, and it's nice now that it's kind of out there and that, you know, um, yep. Yeah, so all really positive. Uh, hopefully in the next few weeks, um, I guess what what's the phrase? I don't have anything to share yet about my future plans, but, uh, I'm hoping in the next week or two, uh, to maybe even talk, talk a little bit about, uh, um, what I'm going to be doing next but I, i'm super excited about it so yeah it's all gonna be good excellent awesome. i mean this this you know i mean we talked about it in the last episode but it's kind of you know it is it is nice to know as well that you know the, the positive feedback that you know that wouldn't happen if your software was crap like you know mm-hmm. true true and so pe- and people can keep using it you know yeah i wonder for how many more years people are going to be using that app which would be interesting. That you'll go into a place and someone would still be using it. Yeah, why not? Considering the amount of computers that I see in shops running like Windows 98 with a text-based <laughs> point of sale, I'd say that <laughs> in a few years there'll still be a couple of hundred customers using it. Oh, God. That reminds you of when I worked in game. It was all text-based. 
all keyboard based. Yeah. All shortcuts. I am going to set so the moment the app, if you um, set the, I always get this, this mis- mixed up. What's your minimum iOS target? Is that the deployment target? Um, I don't know if Xcode did me. Okay. Remember. Anyway, whatever that minimum thing. So like I had it, so like it, it builds an iOS 10 as a minimum with no warnings. And I'll mm-hmm. probably keep that up for the next iOS update or two in that I'll, in other words, so I think it's, it's still tar, uh, the minimum version is eight, but it's like, I'll, I'll still keep updating it so that it sort of uses the, the modern APIs where possible. So, uh, yeah, I kind of, I'd like it to be working for a good few years. And there's no reason why not. Like the there's a tiny third third party socket library in it that's older than the Mac. Oh, sorry, I'm not on <laughs> the Mac, older than the iPhone. Um, <laughs> so um which is still worked on. So um my my experience with doing like apps becoming out of date, like I think it's often it's third party stuff. It's not the, the first party stuff that goes first, definitely. That's it. I mean like you could be the only person I know who's in possession of an app with zero warnings. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, like, I mean, that's that is impressive. Like, and I don't care, you know. I mean, people work on, you know, people are constrained by deadlines, people are constrained by cost, people are constrained by all these things. It's difficult to write good code, and even if you take a, a metric like just the number of warnings like i mean you're at least infinitely better than most apps that that <laughs> I've, I've had the privilege of of knowing in i am uh, profoundly grateful that my first big app was a business critical app that like me failing to record even one transaction would cause like it's like my app was subject to an audit system every single day because every single day there would be a parallel process to verify was the app 100% correct in terms of re- reporting how much money it took uh, was recorded you know in terms of counting the money in the cash drawer and and matching it against the sales for the day um cuz it, it just put the fear in me and gave me of course, like yeah. Um, but in a really good way, like it kind of, yeah, I felt I was lucky in that at no point I, I was able to say it doesn't matter. It'll be fine, uh, especially in the back end stuff. And what do you attribute to that? Like, is it part of just using core data properly? Is it part of using, you know, is there is there anything special that you did? Will you do a talk on that? Because I'm interested. Um, For me, how primarily, not, I not think to it, lose data. <laughs> it was pure fear. Um, development got it yeah it really was like it was and so that thing about no warnings and doing an analyze before you submit a bill to see the the stack static analyzer catch anything that really was just fear it wasn't even like in a way as maybe function certainly the early days maybe it was a an indicator that i wasn't that confident as a programmer so it's like everything i can get right i will get right because I'm not 100% sort of um, confident. I think 
use like it's it's all the things that we've been talking about on this podcast it's use native things don't try and be clever um try and make think the points baz was making earlier in the podcast like think about what it'll be like in a year's time for somebody mm-hmm. coming across this code like the things you you learn with experience i guess so yeah no no technical things more i think a mindset thing excellent so i'm guessing blue mix isn't making you happy this week <laughs> jesus um yeah i want to give a shout out to this big nerd ranch book again because i don't know if any of our listeners well we know there's at least one who who's sort of thinking about taking up uh ios development um yeah big nerd ranch book put a link in um it's a wonderfully written book it's a book that encourages you to um type out the examples and i'm a huge fan of that um like i really like zed i did learn python the hard way the zed shaw book and he's like you know you have to type everything out um so yeah just really good book um recommends really modern practices um yeah that's that's my thing excellent Bears. uh stupid one now this week besides the boats headphones their class uh they're bringing out a ginger emoji in 2018 finally the you discrimination guys, ends discrimination ends yes you guys saw that did you this week uh, it wasn't on my radar, I'll be perfectly it, honest with you. Is it one it, radar? Okay, it, or I, I don't sweet. subscribe to Ginger Facts. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I've seen it, like, I suppose, yeah, it's probably a Facebook thing or something. I've seen it, like, tons and tons of places. Uh, like, you know, in um, in your emoji, when you select, say, on a person, you can choose their gender and skin colour and stuff like this and hair colour, but there's no ginger uh, hair colour. So they're adding that to the list of emojis from, like, I think 2018. <laughs> takes a long time to get emojis um you know a everyone to agree on lists of emojis supposedly you have to get all like the web manuf- well, like all the web browser guys and all the mobile manufacturers and all this stuff to kind of sit down and agree on stuff so yeah. that's it like i mean i think it just started out informally in was it chinese phones and now it's part of the unicode standard like you know so it's yeah it's actually come a long way like i mean the iphone did not launch with emojis you you know it was you remember you had to do a hack you had to download like a chinese keyboard and stuff to to get oh, them at wow. one point like i mean you know it's it's something we take for granted now they're part of everyday life um for a certain subset well, of, of for a certain subset of people um yeah. you know it's it's uh it's amazing but that's that's one of the things on it that's the bad thing i guess people who are really into emojis and stuff like that if you get a google phone you're going to be completely out of date because you don't get you know yeah. well if you got a if you can say if you got an no android gingers. phone sorry, not a google phone. that sounds like a selling point <laughs> but even but you don't get any get any emoji X. updates no gingers <laughs> but even tongues. i found that so like, even i'm one like i've i've uh, a friend that loves to use whatever the new emoji is whenever yeah. a new emoji is there and i'm i'm fairly slow to update my phone like it's kind of yeah whenever it's plugged in and overnight do it but like obviously that doesn't happen anymore because i don't have 
headphone jack. So my phone has not been updated <laughs> since I bought the iPhone 7. Um, oh, wow. Thanks, Apple. Um, so now I just get the, I'm back to the square boxes with the question mark in it from, from certain people. Like, you know, so that's, that's how fast things are moving. Um, in the emoji space, the world of the emoji. And we have the emoji movie coming out soon. Um, oh, God. Yes, we do. I so think we I, should go I, see it as a group. No. <laughs> I heard uh, Sony are supposedly selling off their movie and TV branch. But one of the quotes was, we're waiting to see how the emoji movie does to see whether we'll make yeah. like sequels <laughs> out of it or make a yeah. franchise out of it. Fuck me. That's it. Well, look, Patrick Stewart stars as the poop emoji. I'm it kind of ex- he does. I'm kind of excited. You know, um, you got James Corden now. as the high five. Um, TJ Miller as Gene. Uh, he's an outsider emoji. He can show multiple expressions. You know, this is going to be deep. You know, <laughs> um, uh, and a bunch of other people who I don't really know um, playing other other emojis. So yeah. So I absolutely hate emoji, like really with a passion. Um, try to never <laughs> use Thanks them for telling us that. myself in anything. <laughs> I don't mind ASCII emoji, but the actual Unicode ones, I, I yeah. had this big thing about color being introduced to text. But this week, I actually found a really good use for emoji that I'm actually really keen about. Variable names in Swift. Almost <laughs> related. So I've been fooling around with a tool called Fastlane. Um, Fastlane is now owned by Twitter, which is no, yeah, now owned by Fabric, which has just been sold by Twitter and bought by Google. But it's a sort of build tool for iOS applications um, to manage sort of common tasks. And it's a young German guy who developed it. So he uses emoji all over the shop for his uh, console output because it's a command line tool. It is brilliant. Like just being able to see, it just gives you something to scan for in basically the text output of a uh, command line thing. So actually... And obviously this is command line in the native terminal on the Mac, yeah? Yes, because um, so, I'm like, how would that work over SSH? Yeah. <laughs> we, we, but, we, don't, we don't need to answer that question. Right? Yeah. But <laughs> actually, I'm thinking, I mean, I don't know, for example, like, um, I think Python support for Unicode is pretty good. Um, but like just putting it in your log messages mm. is actually sort of super, super informative. Um because, you know, some people, I don't know, some people call it caveman debugging, but like sort of debugging by, you know, printing out loads of log messages. And actually, emoji is a really good way of kind of introducing color into it. Uh, if you're fairly up to date, uh, emoji catalog, there's ones that can be used as kind of progress bars and stuff like that. Or at least, mm. you know, kind of you could do hands on a clock or color reserve things. You know, I've seen them used like that. Um, so like emoji animations with the clock for the for progress uh, and stuff. Very good. So to give you a random example, like and one of the things I really hate, one of the sorry, one of the emoji characters I really hate is a red exclamation mark. Because I'm like, 
No, that's just a normal explanation, Mark, except you found something even more annoying than all caps to sort of raise it to the next level. But for console output, where you're like, no, this happens, this is a bad thing, then fire in the red exclamation mark emoji and then you're like, woo. Mm-hmm. Done. Yeah. How bad? Yeah. For like an error that, you know, if it happens, then your app is in serious trouble kind of thing. So, yeah. Mm. Cool. Top tip. So, apart from this bottle of wine, um, <gasps> <laughs> what, <laughs> what's making me happy this week is... I got so hard hard to decide, you know. Um, I think the happiest thing this week has been the weather, because it's cold, but not that cold, and it's like dry, but not that dry. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been out much with Jacob? Like, has it been too cold to go out with Jacob, or? No, it's perfect if you wrap him up anyway. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I've lovely. Probably, walked, probably walked about 30 kilometers this week. Wow. Just, um, after work and weekends, I just know that it's starting to, just because the weather's there, like, so it's it's great. Like, um, there's a park about two and a half kilometers away, so it's a nice kind of, it's a nice 5K round trip. So it's, you know, kind of with, with the buggy, it's about an hour and uh, however long you can, you can last in the playground, which is grand because literally the only thing he can do is go on the swing. Like, Is it morally acceptable to be listening to podcasts while you're in the playground or do other parents kind of judge you because you're not being like, like well, the playground is there the, isn't too, too bad. Well, that's more active, like, because like it's it's kind of like a, the playground is like a 10 minute thing at this stage. Like maybe when he's older, hell yeah, podcasts, but thing is now he's big enough that the buggy he faces away from me so it's kind of like i can't even you know pretend to talk to him like he could understand me (laughs) (laughs) anyway so it's just kind of like yeah yeah podcast in one ear and if he if he if he leaves out a roar i can i can hear him with the the other ear seriously dave we need to we need to do a split uh, airpod order that's where it's gonna go that's it yeah and we can share custody of the charger uh, exactly. Oh yeah, they don't, they don't work if you take one out though. What? what? No, what? It yeah, you have to have both of them in. Hmm? If you have both of them in and you take one out, it pauses. Yeah, but I think you can use it with just one. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I've heard as well. Because I mean, you can use it with just one for phone calls and stuff. Hey, Baz, if you, if maybe you, feel you... The need. Maybe you could just ask your boss to lose one of his twice. One of his. And then me and Probably. Dave buy him off him. Yeah, and one okay. week. For we'll, double the price. And maybe they do a replacement thing for the charger as well. We could totally... Yeah, if yeah, he could we, lose two chargers, that would be great. <laughs> what you need to do is you buy some dental floss, you take out the dental floss, and then <laughs> yeah, that's what you get. Is it that small? It's Yeah, it's tiny, man. Wow. There's a there was a breakdown actually of it there yesterday. Uh, some smaller dental floss. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 about the size of uh, one of those white the Oral B ones. Yeah. Yeah, wow. man, it's tiny. It's probably smaller than Yeah, it's small. I have to say that's I'm, I'm, I'm tempted. I'm gonna go hold up my earpods to or no earpods? What are the ones that I have? Earpods, yeah. Uh, I'm earpods, gonna go hold yeah. up my earpods to my floss now. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
That's what's going to make me happy in about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Send us a photo, Nate. I will. <laughs>